G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. I'm back, a little bit later than usual, but that's alright, plenty of AFL fantasy news to unpack with the buy rounds finally behind us. Uh, just a quick tangent, I'll probably do a little bit of a buy round review and post that on social media tomorrow at some point, but my team was okay, I got upgrades that I wanted to get. All season long I was planning on getting Max gone and I came out of the buy rounds with him, so it's nice to see him in my side. Got a couple of good midfielders in there as well. Unfortunately, one of them's not Jackson McRae, but can't have them all. And I moved up a few thousand spots in rank. So I think I'm sitting almost bang on 15,000th, which uh, is nowhere near where I want to be sitting. But that's okay, because I'm poised for a pretty solid run home. There is under 20 trades left for the season, so it's time to start thinking about the finished product. Hopefully, you're not nursing too many rookies on your field. I think most coaches will have two or three after trades this week. And this week, we have our last Thursday night game of the season as well. So plenty to unpack. So without further ado, let me dive into today's episode. Starting with my team, I managed to top 1,800 this week. Again, not really the score I would have liked, but a couple of those dud rookies around the ground haven't paid off for me during the buys. I tried to probably do too much shuffling of cash cows, and that's what slowed me down a bit, but 1815... It's hardly a disaster. In my defense, big 109 from Jake Lloyd kicked things off. Sicily was a flat-out failure with 40. Let's not even go there. I'll talk about him a bit later. Uh, Answorth and Garner on my field couldn't top 40, but Griffin Lowe, a nice 74 from him. Should have two rookies on my field and after trades this week, but both of them will be in defense. I held Sydney stack through his buy, and I'm fairly confident that he can put up a couple of good numbers for at least the next month until I see someone that I like the looks of I want to turn him into. And Lowe will probably be the last rook to go from my field. Hopefully he can keep scoring over 70, but I'm going to temper expectations a bit. I wouldn't be surprised if he dropped a 50 or a 60 in the near future. The midfield is starting to take shape. I've been saying that every week, but actually now that I have uh, no rookies on my field, it is starting to take shape. Gaffey didn't really light it up vice-captain-wise like a lot of people would have liked, but that's all right. It's the first game, I think, in about 16 tries at Optus Stadium that he went under 100, so it is what it is. Fifey was a little underwhelming and honestly needs to pick it up, otherwise I might be uh, inclined to do something stupid. Trelaw and Mitch Duncan on debut were nice. Uh, Bewley had a 56, so I think around the 50-60s mark is what we can expect him to score from here on out. I, my gut tells me that he might be in danger of missing this week, but I don't think, given the outs that Frio has, that's really going to come to fruition. But someone to monitor, that's for sure, in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully he can make another 50 to 100k before he's shown the door. Gus Brayshaw is probably the weakest link in my midfield at the moment. Need to move him on, I think, after 87. But he gets another chance this week, and he's got the blues in a fortnight's time from memory, so maybe he can survive. It's nice to see uh, Taranto and Cripps on my bench knowing that they're coming back into my midfield, but Oscar Baker was the last player on my field with a 69. So the midfield was pretty solid. The rucks, Jesus, there's two clear rucks that you have to have in your team. Brody Grundy and Max Gorn, and both of them showed this weekend, combining for about 300 points, why they are fantasy must-haves. If you don't have either of them in your side, I would make that almost number one priority. There are some decent stepping stones. People might be rocking with Jared Witt still, maybe Riley O'Brien from the Crows. I know that there's a few people who are chasing some other uniques, but 
yeah, personally, after trading Gorn in and making him skipper on debut, I was a little bit worried about Grundy being a late out and didn't want to get locked in with uh, Gaffey's 92 as my captain score. So skipper Gorn was hardly disappointed with a 129, and obviously Brody Grundy was enormous. So those two are the only two blokes you need to worry about in the ruck department. My forward line might be my best line in my team. Uh, Boak, Danger, and Jack Billings all managed to top 110, which was nice to see. Billings has turned his form around and looks like a top six forward now, which is great to see because he was on the block for me a few weeks ago and I was going to try and turn him into Dunkley, but never panned out and I might be better for it. Uh, Tim Kelly had a quietie, but he's still a gun, so I wouldn't go doing anything stupid with him. James Warple only scoring a 72 does kind of signal that he could be coming to an end. He's probably sitting in a lot of coaches' last forward slot. And if you don't have someone like Jack Zeeble, Dustin Martin, maybe Billings, who I already talked about, that could be the player you chase for Warple. But I think he's averaging, oh, what is it? Off the top of my head, it's in the 90s. So he's not struggling by any means. But if you're looking for something to do this round and you don't really have any pressing rookie issues to address, then trading out Warple might be a smart play. He's performed pretty well for the season, but he's only averaging 90. So I think eventually he's got to go and it might be time. All right, turning my attention to some injury issues. Just a few hot names that I'm going to touch on tragically. One of them is Harley Bunnell, who suffered yet another calf setback in the waffle, and there's no timetable yet for his return. You've got to feel for the bloke, regardless of if you like what he does off the field or not. He doesn't deserve to keep cruelly being robbed of uh, playing AFL footy, but we've said it three or four times now, but you think this calf injury might be the last we hear or see of Harley Bunnell. Out of contract at the end of the year, don't think uh, his body's going to allow him to get back onto the park, which is sad, but... These things happen, so all the best for Harley Bunnell. Lance Franklin's going to miss up to a month with a hamstring issue. Probably not a lot of classic teams rolling with him, but could be very relevant in draft. Same could be said for someone like Jeremy Howe. He is out for two to three weeks, the Pies defender. Could see the debut of Isaac Quainor, the I think he was 10th overall, 11th overall pick last year, so another first-rounder who might come into Collingwood's defensive group. Nick Datanui should make his return against Hawthorne this week, so that's very draft-relevant. If you've been stashing him on your bench, I might temper expectations in the first week. You might just want to, if you've got another Ruckman to play, give Natanui one week, because chances are the Eagles are pretty smart. They're not going to run him out against Hawthorne and run him into the ground, so he might have a low score. Another bloke who will not be scoring in the AFL, presumably, this week is Tom Rockliffe. There are rumours going around that he's going to play in the Sandful this week as he tries to get back into the Powers team. So, yeah, if you are still stuck with Rockliffe, I think you've got to trade him out. You can still get to a decent player, so I'm not going to keep beating down this path, but if you've got Rockliffe, get rid of him. Just save yourself the drama. Michael Walters is a bit of a sneaky play in Classic. Again, very draft-relevant, but... He was in the firing line, potentially facing a one-match ban for headbutting Jay Lockhart. Uh, luckily, he got off that from the tribunal. Jeremy McGovern, not so lucky. And while it's not really fantasy relevant, I uh, am curious to see how the MRO can justify the how, what's the word the verdicts that they're handing out. There was another one with involving Cam Zerha early in the year that looked identical to what happened with McGovern and Guelphie on the weekend, and Zerha was hit with a fine. 
Govzy's been hit with a one-week ban, so the lack of consistency is starting to annoy a few people, and I can understand why Eagles fans would be up in arms. Last little injury thing I want to touch on. It's worth noting that Lockie Whitfield has returned to training. He's still probably a week or two away from being a week or two away, but might be wise to start saving up a little bit of money because as uh, soon as he is available, he will need to be in your team. Fry's favourite five this week kicks off with none other than Jack McRae. What a huge, monstrous game for McRae. Against Collingwood as well, who traditionally you'd think uh, hard to score against, but midfielders seem to go pretty well against them. McRae dropped a 180 on the Pies this weekend, and I've been calling for him to return to form pretty regularly on these podcasts, and uh, unfortunately, like I said before, he's not in my side, but... For the 20-odd percent of coaches that do have him in your team, they'll be pretty stoked to have McRae running around. Don't forget that he averaged 141 in the fantasy finals last year. So, honestly, if I was taking bets on who would score the most points from here until the end of the season, McRae would be uh, right as my top odds. Brody Grundy, a little bit uh, done by to not get the plus five after dropping a career-high 168, but he's going to be hard to stop for the Sports by Fry fantasy Brownlee. This season, no player in the history of the game had ever recorded 25 touches, 50 hitouts, and a pair of goals, but that's exactly what Grundy did to the Bulldogs on Sunday. It is bizarre to see the fact his ownership is only at 32%, so there's still over 60%, over two-thirds of the teams out there rocking without Grundy. And like I said before, if you don't have him all gone, you have to make them high priority. Luke Parker's the next bloke who gets a plus three. I wasn't brave enough to pull the trigger on Parker, but I've flirted with his name coming in and out of my team during the buys, and I think I've missed my opportunity to nab him. He had a massive 157 on Friday night against the... Uh, not against the Swans, they are the Swans, against the Hawks. 30 touches, 12 tackles. He's got the Gold Coast and Carlton coming up in the next couple of weeks, so if you do have Parker, you might want to even consider throwing the captain's badge on him. Plus two goes to Maxi Gorn for his big 129. Might be a little bit biased here after having him as skipper on debut. And quick shout out to Jared Witts who served his role, did what he had to do to me to help me get Max Gorn. But yeah, 129, massive from Gorn. Can't remember who they've got off the top of my head this weekend, but I'm sure Calvin will have all the relevant captain details. But Gorn, he's got the Lions, so maybe up against Steph Martin, probably not a great pick, but. Break-even of 107, I'll probably expect him to top that. Lastly, plus one goes out to Caleb Daniel. The tiny terror known as Caleb Daniel is pretty much a walking 30 touches for the dogs. I know that I've kind of uh, sat on the fence a bit with regards to Daniel, but he's a legitimate chance to be a top six forward or defender. That dual flexibility that he's got is massive boost for coaches who've taken the punt on him and if you're looking for an upgrade in your defense or your forward line i'd seriously can suggest bringing in daniel this week frustrating five time the negative five goes to james sicily it should probably go to alistair clarkson let's be honest because he was the bloke responsible for sicily's low score sending him to full forward for the majority of the game which severely hampered Sicily's output. He did manage to have 21 points in the last quarter when he was finally sent back to his natural position inside the defensive 50, which does give us some hope that he can stay there and put up a couple more 80s and 90s and even 100s, but there's a bit of a risk associated with Sick Dog now, so I wouldn't go trading him in just yet, but if you are an owner, stay put. Don't go doing anything stupid just yet. Let's see how he looks this weekend. Negative four goes to Tim Kelly. 
once a month or once every six weeks, TK seems to just throw up a sub-70 or a bit of a, a blemish on his fantasy resume. And we do need to remember that the bloke is in his early 20s and only has 40 AFL games under his belt. But So we probably need to cut him a bit of slack. But we are holding Kelly to lofty standards. He could be a Brownlow chance if he keeps up uh, the form that he's shown in the first half of the season. And honestly, if he can... Throw these 70s off his uh, fantasy score sheet, then he could be the best forward that we in the entire game. Shannon Hearn copped the negative three this week. A lot of coaches took a punt on him after his buy, and they were pretty disappointed. The ball wasn't really down his way a lot against Essendon, but West Coast skipper should have been better and probably got to about an 80-ish. 61, we'll see his break-even shoot up into the 140s, and... He is priced at 650k, so if you are looking for a defensive upgrade, I probably wouldn't suggest Hearn just yet. He will dip a little bit in price, probably over the next fortnight, and that's when I'll look to jump on him, and he'll be ripe for the picking. Negative two for James Warple. At this point in the season, coaches are probably left with a few stepping stones like Warple, who have served their purpose, but you might be chasing a big name in your forward defense midline, so... I can totally understand why people will part with Warple. Only out of 72, Hawthorne does have a tough upcoming gauntlet of opponents, so by no means is he a pressing issue, and in a perfect world, you'll be able to turn him into someone like Dunkley or Dusty if you don't have them, but yeah, Warple's time is almost up, I feel. Finally, Lockie Neal has looked way too mortal for my liking in the last month or so. He gets the negative one after another score under 80. It is alarming that he has been shut down by a few opposing players, kind of getting the tag and the follow-on duty from a lot of foes. And he erupted to start the season and was in my trade plans for a while. But yeah, he averages under 90 in the last month of footy. I wouldn't... Uh, you know how I stand on trading premiums. I think you always have to hold them. But when they're being shut out of games like this, then that's when you start to get a little bit worried. He does have St. Kilda on the weekend. No Jack Steele will mean that he might get a bit of attention from someone, but it won't be a recognised tagger. So Neil's on thin ice, but I think I'd give him another chance. Diving into trade tactics now, let me address this Daniel Hanabry situation. So... Hannah's scored 103 in his first game for St Kilda. He's priced now at 450 grand, and there's a lot of coaches out there that are divided over which route you should go targeting Daniel Hanabry. Personally, the Saints midfielder might come in for me this week, and if I do, that would remove a rookie from my midfield, and it would leave me with no rookies left in the uh, top eight there. So... I can personally see why people are associating risk with Hanabry. I talked him down all preseason. I was scared of him self-combusting at any possible moment. But after, it seems like St. Kilda's done the right thing. They've really stripped his injury down to the core and built him back up. He'd had a three, two or three games from memory in the VFL. So I think he's got enough uh, energy in his legs to play out the season. He might be danger of missing a game or two, but... You don't really want to be sticking with Hanabry for the rest of the year anyway. He could push his value north of about 600k and making himself a worthwhile gamble, but I wouldn't advise going down from someone to Hanabry, and that probably includes Brayshaw and Sam Walsh. Those guys are still scoring all right, and in in a perfect world, you'd probably only go Hanabry from a rookie. Oscar Baker is in the firing line for a lot of coaches, and I still think Baker has room to grow, so I don't really love that move, but... If it works out for you, I think Hanabry could be a nice stepping stone from someone in your midfield who's topped out in value. Willem Drew is the bloke in the firing line for me this week. I've been trying to trade him out for about 20 weeks, but 
this might finally be the one where he goes. But yeah, I give Hanabry the tick of approval. It does come with some risk, but it's not the stupidest move out there. My other two favourite trade targets this week are both Bulldogs. Firstly, Jack McRae. He's gone up 50k from last week, but still priced under 750 grand. If you can make a move for him and get him into your mids, then by all means, go for that. And Caleb Daniel, I gave him a pump up already. Defence and forward eligible makes him a serious upgrade target. I don't think I'll be able to get to him in either line this week. And he is priced over 650 grand, so he's not super duper cheap anymore, but I think his value can keep going up. So those two blokes are probably at the top of my shopping list when it comes to premium types. Basement priced rookies are pretty hard to come by at the moment with a lot of the higher priced cash cows, the ones that will be filtering in and out of our teams. Someone like Joel Garner or Nick Hind are a tick over 200 grand and they might be the best available cheap options if they hold their spots in the side. But if you have the money, I think it's wise to pay up for the likes of Griffin Lowe, Oscar Baker, even Patrick Nash, who kind of forgot about for the last week uh, on his buy. Priced at 250 grand, he's averaging in the 70s from two games, albeit. But I think those three more expensive blokes are good targets. Dylan Clark, probably too expensive for me to advise getting, and I'm sure there'll be some rookies and cash cows that'll filter through the system in the next week or two. Hopefully this week. It'd be nice if we could get a forward downgrade target, but if not, some of those blokes that I've already mentioned would be where I'd advise you steering. If rookies aren't on your list of pressing issues, like I said, some of those middle-tier talent, maybe that you started the year with, might be time to chop them and get a big upgrade. James Warple, someone that I've already talked about. Brody Smith fits that bill in defense. He's priced at 548k. I still think he can get a few more 80s, so again, he's not a pressing trade issue, but if you can turn him maybe into Lloyd if you don't have him, a Laird type, Caleb Daniel as well, then that's a good move. I do suggest holding on to your midfielders like... Lockie Neal, but I can't honestly blame you for wanting to part ways with Angus Brayshaw, especially if you can get to an elite talent like McRae, or there's a lot of people that are trying to get Gaff, Mitch Duncan, Josh Kelly into their team. If you can turn Brayshaw or Neal into one of them, it's not the best move out there, but they are going to score a shitload of points to end the fantasy season, and you can't really say the same confidently about Neal and Brayshaw. Alright, now that the buy rounds are behind us, it's time to axe those fattened cash cows and the blokes that aren't really making you much more money. So, if they're on your bench, hopefully they're on your bench and not your forward line, uh, it's fine to chop out Michael Gibbons from the Blues, Noah Answorth, he might actually keep continuing to go down in price after a 30 on the weekend. You got green light to get rid of him. Nick Larkey up forward if someone emerges as a viable forward target. Maybe Jared Cameron from the Eagles, who I didn't really talk about, but that's kind of because I expect him to be dropped. But he might make way for Willie Rioli if he's still on the side. He could be a move from Larkey to him. There are other blokes like Marty Hoare and Brian Myers who are a bit more expensive and maybe are on your field. If they are on your field, I'd advise trying to go down with someone and turn Hoare or Myers into someone of value because they're starting to dip. They both scored under 50 on the weekend and upgrading them, in my eyes, is a priority. Alright, waiver wire watch. Some of these blokes might have been snapped up in your leagues already, but if not, I'd advise you to go and check them out. The first one, and the form one of the competition, arguably, is Kale Hooker. Had his third straight 100, which is not usually the numbers we associate with Hooker, but 116 on the weekend, had 116 a fortnight ago as well. Is in half the teams in the draft league, so he might not be out there. If you're chasing a lesser-owned defender, Taylor Jure 
made his return for the Dogs and topped 80, so he could be a nice get. Up forward, Will Hoskin-Elliott and Alan Christensen, uh, two blokes that I like the looks of. They've already seen their ownership boost a little bit as well, with Hoskin-Elliott hovering around the 20s and Christensen in the high teens, so... You could get one of them in your forward line. I've touched on Dan Hanabry for classic, but I think he's a good option in your midfield for draft as well. He won't go scoring 100 every week, but he might post a few more scores over 80 and average close to 80, which could be handy if you've got a deeper league and you need a little bit more depth in the mids. Last thing before I wrap this thing up, my moves this week. I think it's a necessary evil for me to take a punt on Dan Hanabry. At this stage, I'll turn Answorth into Paddy Nash, make 50k there, which will give me enough money to turn Willem Drew into Hanabry. There are some rumours going around that Willem Drew could play this week. If he does, I might honestly do a double down. Nick Larkey to someone could be tempting, and I could swing Drew into my forward line and just leave him there until another bloke pops up. But team selection, as per usual, will dictate how a lot of things pans out. But my on-field products are all right for now. I need to probably address Cripps and Brasher if they keep struggling in my midfield. And to do that, I'm going to need a bit of money. So a double down will probably be a popular move for a lot of people if cash cows present themselves. Otherwise, I'll be jumping on the Dan Hanabry train. That's going to do it from another episode. Thank you for tuning in to the round 14 wrap-up. Make sure you check out my Dream Team Talk cash cows piece. That's live on their site now. I'm going to try on Friday as well and post an article talking about some of the fantasy rookies that haven't played yet this year, but we could see in action to close the season. But good luck for the rest of the fantasy season. Good luck in round 15. Fingers crossed now that we're fielding a strong 22. We can see our scores tick over 2200. I think it's wise to chase a couple of unique captains if you want to go up in rank as well. Someone that I like the looks of this week is, well, actually, before I go into captains, vice-captain loophole option is available for Thursday night. So if you don't know, the Tigers, uh, not the Tigers, sorry, the Giants and the Bombers will clash tomorrow night. I'll be taking a punt on Tim Taranto as my vice-captain. If you have Josh Kelly, he is the number one option, head and shoulders above the rest. And if you don't have either of them, nothing wrong with chasing Stephen Canelio or maybe even Zach Merritt from the Bombers. But when it comes back to captains, I might even look at someone like Mitchie Duncan or Andrew Gaff against Hawthorne could be huge. I think taking a chance on a unique captain choice could be the way that I make a boost in the rankings. You could honestly just leave it on Brody Grundy for the rest of the year the way that he's playing, but you know, I think it's time for me to get outside the box a bit. That's all I've got for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. Again, good luck in the round 15 buy rounds. I will do a team selection podcast tomorrow night, so hit me up with your questions for that. And until next time, peace.